Hello, and welcome to Reed Scholars Live. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Fleming, and current president of Reed Scholars. Today, I'm super excited to be joined by Ms. Aurora Washington, who is a PhD candidate at Brown University in biotechnology. Hello, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. I'm excited to talk to you uh, today about your journey and your podcast and um, a little bit more about your experience in academia. So um, I usually just dive right in and have you tell me a little bit about, um, you know, where you grew up, why did you decide to go all the way to Brown, um, what made you pick your your major and that type of thing, and, and we'll go from there. All right. So yes, I'm Aurora. I am from Ruleville, Mississippi, um, the home of Mrs. Fannie Hamer. So it's very historic. And she is also my great aunt. So it's like a lot of legacy and history there. And um, so for most of my life, I went to Ruleville Central High, Ruleville Central Middle. And uh, during my high school journey, I got accepted to the Mississippi School for Math, Math, and Science. And so that kind of cultivated my passion for science a little bit and intrigued me in biology and just pretty much STEM in general. So I went to Tougaloo pre-med track. Um, I thought I wanted to be a physician because I had a couple of shadowing experiences. Um, I did one more shadowing experience where I got to rotate through the ER, the, um, what is it? like where they keep the dementia patients. I think it's like the in-care behavior for like senior citizens. Um, so I just got to rotate through a couple of different spaces in the ER and I figured maybe um, medical medicine is not for me. <laughs> and <laughs> so I kept exploring um, different careers throughout my undergraduate, um, my un undergraduate journey. Um, as a Jackson Heart Study Scholar at Tougaloo. And I did my first kind of bench internship right before my senior year at Brown University in the Hoffman Kim lab, which is a tissue engineering lab. And I really enjoyed it. Um, it was through the NASA Rhode Island Space Grant Program. And so I figured then like I wanted, I really wanted to do bench research. Um, and so I applied to graduate schools through, during my senior year. I got into a couple of graduate schools. They were schools that I was not really excited about. And they were for the most part like molecular biology, pharmacology programs. Um, but I really wanted to work with the PI that I was working with. I enjoyed the relationship. I think that's really important. Like whoever you're working with is your relationship is important. And so I got an opportunity to participate in a pilot postback program at Brown, mm -hmm. which was hosted through the neuroscience department. Um, and I was able to work with my current PI in that program. So I attended Brown as a postback scholar and then transitioned to biotech. And you asked why I chose biotechnology because it is different and so biotechnology is very interdisciplinary and it was created for for those purposes of being inter interdisciplinary within um brown biomedical sciences department so i saw i don't know if i said it but i majored in biology when i was at tougaloo the lab that i was in um or that i am in is a tissue engineering lab. So there's a large engineering component to it. Mm. Um, and a lot of the students that join the lab are either neuroscience because we engineer brain microtissues, cortical brain microtissues from rat pups and 
um, I kind of work on human models as well, but if we want to get into that, I can dive more into it. Mm -hmm. um, okay, and so I, I study biology, and most of the students that go into their lab are biomedical engineers or neuroscience students. So joining that lab as a biotechnology student gave me an opportunity to um, take classes, like the liberty of class, take classes at the liberty that I wished that would like not not fast track me to learn all about tissue engineering and biomedical um, engineering those kind of things but stay within my interest as well because there's a lot of liberty in the biotech program so that's how I got there okay that is very fascinating I um you know I, I, we probably could have a whole podcast and just talk about options in STEM right because there's so many things to talk about and so many options and you, know, you talked about your original path um and it was in medicine and thinking you wanted to be a physician and you kind of went in a different direction um but I think you know we also have to remind ourselves that all of these things all of these experiences that we have in life shapes us for how who we are and where we're su supposed to be um but also that so much of healthcare um, is outside of the four walls of the hospital and the clinic, right? So we need all of that support um, in other aspects of medicine and technology and, and biomedical engineering and biotechnology to help us all um, take care of patients for those of us who do one-on-one -on -one patient care. So we appreciate all of the things that you do. So, um, and so, and, and you taught us, you started out at Tougaloo and now you're at Brown. Um, and, you know, as a uh, person who went from an HBCU to a PWI, went from Xavier to Vanderbilt, very different institutions uh, for lots of reasons. <laughs> uh, so tell us a little bit about that transition and then take us into, um, you know, how that influenced starting your podcast. Yeah. So I transitioned, like you said, from Tougaloo to Brown. Um, for the most part, it was kind of a culture shock because I, like I said, I grew up in Ruleville, which is predominantly Black, went to Rural Central, predominantly Black, Tougaloo, HBCU. And so transitioning to a space where I wasn't seeing as many Black faculty members, Black peers, um, it, it was a little bit challenging because I started to deal with a lot more microaggressions. And to be frank, I just wasn't used to dealing with microaggressions in that way. And my like my first real encounter with them came when I started interviewing for graduate schools. And just some of the, some of the experiences that I had uh, were really shocking to me. And that played a role into where I decided to go to school as well. Um, and so I, you know, joined this lab for most part, the interpersonal uh, relationships are good, but sometimes, you know, you are interacting with people who may not have grown up um, where they had to think about the sensitivity of other minority groups. And so um, they, they may act in ways that you perceive as being race, racially charged or microaggressions in which they could be, but, you know, if somebody don't know, they just don't know. And I don't like to say that ignorance is an excuse for poor behavior, but it's also not the student's job to teach, you know, their peers or their faculty members what microaggressions are, how to be sensitive to them as a person in their being. Um, I think those trainings come from the institution when they hire these people or when they like bid them to join labs and those kind of things. 
And so throughout my journey, I have just encountered a lot of those incidents. I talk to my peers, a lot of the Black students that I meet either at Brown or at, at um, like symposiums, conferences, my friends from undergrad, a lot of them went into higher education, like perceiving higher, de- I mean, receiving higher degrees, where there's like medical degrees, optometry, you know, vet, all those things. And they transitioned from an HBCU to a PWI as well. And I just found it so weird, like that no matter where we went, not all in academia in the same way or in the same departments in academia, um, their experience were shared, the experiences were shared. And I was like, that's not right. That's not fair. Like the ways that we have to navigate diff- difficult conversations with um, our, bo- our bosses, our peers, our higher ed administrators, our white counterparts don't have to do that. And it takes out a lot of time and mental space um, that we should be putting towards our degree and you know, developing ourselves for a career. All right, kind of person have to do that. And so I was just, you know, sitting in my house one day and thinking, um, how do I give back in a way to better prepare students of color to enter these spaces? Because I felt like I entered it kind of blindly, um, not knowing that this this would be my experience and not having a lot of resources or help when I was like, oh, this happened, how do I deal with this? So for a long time, it was just me kind of trying to suck it up, suck it up, suck it up. And um, <laughs> eventually I found people that was like, oh, let's, you know, let's have this conversation. Let's have a workshop. Let's do this, maybe approach it in this way. Um, but I just don't think it's fair for each student that comes to have to do that same thing because that, that takes a lot of time. And so I decided to create Voice in Black Experiences with the purposes of, um, Black students and other students to share their experiences in academia, in medicine, and just the, the other um, careers that professional, like Black professionals go into. But I started off with academia and medicine. Um, and I, I'll tell you, I chose to start off with academia because I feel like the academy prepares you for every career that you go into. So as a professional, all your training starts there and when you start off in a space like academia you get to influence the perception of of course the students but if higher ed administrators paying attention maybe it'll change their perception and like how they want to interact with students if faculty members are paying attention maybe it'll change their perspective as well and also staff members so it's a space where you can influence a lot of people it'll prepare the next generation of professionals to be better prepared to deal with diversity issues and like more diverse staffs and be sensitive to everybody's you know background and culture or maybe just be more aware too um yeah so I created a platform I reached out to just a couple of students that I know that's either getting like masters or PhDs they are not all in STEM um it ranges medicine STEM theology uh literature what I mean across I guess humanities board. all across the board so yeah um and so you know thinking about this conversation with you now and I might be like a year or two older than you just a couple uh, <laughs> And 
you know, now we have such better language to talk about it, um, even that we can say the word microaggressions and people know what it means. Um, for me, being a student, to your point, like these things were happening and I didn't, I didn't have the vocabulary to really understand them sometimes in real time, uh, but you felt them, right? And you're walking around with this weight and you don't really understand where it's coming from. Um, and, and recognizing that there, there is a difference, that all the students are not interacting in the same space the same way. Um, and having that transition from coming from a place that was super supportive to, I won't say it was unsupportive, but it was a different kind of support um, and, and trying to figure out how to, to negotiate uh, in that way. And then, you know, in the health equity conversation, of course, we talk a lot about um, recruitment and re retention and workforce development. And, you know, we have to think about these things. If you're, you're recruiting your students into an unwelcoming environment, they're not going to be encouraged to stay. They're not going to be encouraged to come to give back. Um, and for a lot of us, and, you know, even when you hear about, you know, stories from 50, 60 years ago with people who were integrating the system, right? They were in there, they're putting their head down and you're trying to get through, you know, whatever your years are, your three years, your four years, your six years, whatever the amount of length of your program is. Um, and so you're not really optimizing your experience um, and, and getting the full um, benefit of your journey because uh, you're just trying to get through. And then, you know, you go somewhere and you don't even stay at that organization to help build the fabric of the, hopefully the diverse network that they are hoping for, but you know, who knows what they're really hoping for in some of these places. Um, so I appreciate that giving the voice of that, giving um, students the ability to talk freely and openly about um, their experiences at their different institutions, how they experience microaggressions, and then what to do with them, right? So, you know, we're having, and we can talk about how to approach the leadership at our different institutions to improve the training of the staff, improve the training of um, the faculty and professors. But in real time, we also have to take care of ourselves, right? We're still trying, we still have to graduate <laughs> um, yeah. and we still have to, to do well. So talk a little bit about why that's important to be focused on taking care of yourself, making sure you're in a good mental space. Um, and, and, and how do you talk about that with your peers? Right. So I think my mental health journey or my kind of self-care journey, I, I think it includes more than just mental health, but that's a huge component of it, at least for me. Um, it really started in undergrad around my senior year when I was trying to figure out what's next. Like that was a nerve wracking time for me. And um, I think I, I just kind of found myself being a little bit down where I haven't really just been down in that way where I didn't really want to hang out with people or do anything. I was just like, I got a lot of work to do. I got a, applications to be putting in. I need to be reading. You know, I got a lot of stuff to do. And so um, I just kind of went on this journey to improve my mental health first by seeking help with a trained professional. And um, I think that really opened up my world to what is self-care because before it, it wasn't something that was really discussed um, in my home, like growing up in a, you know, a very supportive black family, but it, there was never like, take a day for yourself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So um, I learned how to take a day for myself. And so whenever I listen to anyone speak about their experience, whether it's good or bad, I always, I'm always interested in like, 
what is self-care to you? Like, what does that look like for you? Because for everyone, I think it looks different in, I don't think you can ever have too many ways to take care of yourself or know enough about taking care of yourself or different outlets to be creative, um, to release different anxieties and, and just different emotions that come up that are not useful to keeping your aura. <laughs> so Indeed. yeah, so self-care is like super important. And a couple of my outlets include the podcast that I created because it gives me the opportunity to be creative in ways um, that are familiar to me. I have always enjoyed like videos, editing, cinematography. Um, I enjoy art and so I get to incorporate all those things and also help people at the same time. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, and I think I do like that you pointed out self-care is more than mental health, but it's not exclusive of mental health. So I think some people think, okay, well, I'll go get a therapist and that's going to make everything better. That's important, but you also have to figure out how, um, you know, how to live your best life. And so to your point, being creative, um, finding a creative outlet, you know, finding a hobby, hanging out with friends, um, you know, I, I think that's that's important to, that you you don't get so focused on your professional um, trajectory that you ignore the other components of yourself, because um, then it can, you know, as we know, it could be a, a, a downward spiral, if you will, um, if you're not very careful in protecting yourself. Yeah. Um, so tell us what's next. Where where do you see yourself going from here? Hmm. Okay, that's an interesting question. <laughs> I won't hold you to it. You can change your mind tomorrow. <laughs> okay, I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, so I guess what's immediate, what's in the immediate future, the near future is a publication on the horizon, mm -hmm. um, a lot of writing, dissertation coming up. So what's next is graduating. Um, so hopefully this year in the spring, I'll be wrapping up. And so at the same time, I'm trying to figure out truly what is the career that is meant for me and how to enter into those spaces. And I, right now, I'm thinking of higher ed administration as well as teaching. So if there is a job for me, a career where I can stay in or enter into higher ed administration in the spaces of diversity, equity, and inclusion, as well as teach um, maybe a STEM course, biology, biotechnology, just stay involved in the science as well um, as having a position or a title that will help me impact students in a positive way and also the faculty and staff. Um. I'm going to ask you a question so you can take a minute to think about it. It's not hard. But uh, if you had one piece of advice to give a, you know, rising senior, soon to be graduating senior um, in college, you know, looking to go into, you know, STEM or any of the, you know, sciences in the, uh, in the graduate programs, what would be your piece of advice to give them? Knowing that this is kind of, you know, still in the midst of a pandemic and trying to figure out your lane and um, knowing that graduate school is challenging, um, but yet, you know, very rewarding and, and has a pot, you know, a place to um, increase your impact to your point on other people and, and students as they uh, navigate their own career trajectory. So thinking about that and, and there's 
as they might be trying to put together the pieces like you were a few years ago, what advice would you give them? I would say if they are interested in STEM, what's that part of it? I would say really think about what is your interest in STEM and why? So for me, I think it was always, I wanted to help people and how do I help people? And for the longest time, I thought it was by being a doctor. And so um, I was like, okay, I'll be a doctor. That's how I help people. That's how I can give back. Um, But if you have not had the opportunity to explore the different careers that exist or different pathways in STEM, because all of it is, like you said, all of it is helping people. All of it is giving back. It all works together. It comes together beautifully in the end. if you haven't had the opportunity to explore those things, try to create a space to do so, like maybe reaching out to your local clinic or hospital to see if there's um, time for you to volunteer or maybe shadow a physician or nurses. Um, if you are, if you know where you're going to college, see if they have any research um, training programs or opportunities to do research to explore the bench side in that way, or even public health, because I, I didn't speak a lot about it, but I did have a public public health internship mm-hmm. where I got to do some international public health work in Apalm, Ghana, and um, so I explored public health in that way. Um, so yeah, I would say be really exploratory. One, one thing that's important to remember with all of science, it's important to be curious. And so that includes being curious about yourself, being curious about your interests and exploring your different options. Um, if you graduate in college, you are still very young. You don't have to rush into it. Doing something like a post-bag is an opportunity to explore more options as well. Um, and yeah, whatever you decide to do, just give it you're 110%. I like that. And we talk a lot about our why. uh, And I think that's important because there there are days that are hard, right? And you're like, and and you're going to legitimately ask yourself, why am I here? Why am I doing this stuff? Why am I staying up all night reading all of this? I have to write this paper that is way too long (laughs) about something I am not interested in. Um, But when you are really focused on your why and understanding, um, you know, what, what part this leads, the plays in your journey that will help center you. It'll help get you to the next day. Um, and I think, you know, being, a, you know, myself being a physician, I know that in, when going through medical school, there were days that were really rough. And I was like, you know what, I know why I'm doing this. I know why I'm here. Um, I remembered all the people who had sacrificed to allow me to be there. And then that helped me get to the next point. So I think that helps because if you don't, if you don't love it, if you're not um, committed to it as a part of your overall journey, it makes it difficult to, to get to the next day. So I appreciate you saying that as well. No problem. I think what something you said, sorry, but I think no, if you, if you don't love it, um, like that, that matters, like don't do it if you don't love it. Um, but I don't know how well it's accepted to think that, like to think that you love something because, you know, 22, 21 graduating, that's still very young. So you could think like, this is my passion. I, I want to do this and feel a lot of guilt about maybe changing your mind or changing career paths. And so I guess this is me asking you a question like, <laughs> 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 
yes. Um, it, okay, is it okay? Yeah, so as a, you know, a professional, professional woman, um, a medical doctor, practicing medical doctor, and all your other titles, how is it really looked upon if someone decides to kind of switch gears, switch career trajectories after they figure out, I can do this, but I'm not passionate about it. It's not fulfilling. Yeah, I, I thought about that a lot. So I, especially going through the medical trajectory, it's very linear. linear. Um, it's very encouraging when you pick your, um, you know, you pick medicine, right? Then you pick your residency or your specialty. And then that's where you go, you know, then you get a job and then you practice in it for 35, 40 years and then you retire, right? That's, that's the path. Um, mm-hmm. And so thinking about going to medical school, it's like, well, you got to pick the right one. And then you go into residency and you got to pick the right one. And so I thought that that was, you know, I, I was very, um, stressed about picking the you know right medical school and picking the right residency and then I got into it and you would see that people were transferring for one reason or another. not a lot of people but enough um, people switched residency programs just you know they didn't switch specialties but they switched programs and some people switched specialties altogether right um, you know I had a friend who came in she was at a different school but we both came in as OBGYN interns she switched to psychiatry and she, you know, she was like, I couldn't decide. And um, I picked this one. I realized this was not my lane. And she switched. And so I do think we should take the pressure off um, our young people to, to, you know, to make the perfect decision. Usually I say you make the next best decision with the information that you have at the time. When the information changes, you make a different decision. And I don't think you should be held to staying in that lane if you're um, if you don't like it or you're uncomfortable or you realize you like something better and you didn't know about it at the time. Or another thing I think we should encourage our young uh, people to do is do more than one thing. Also, I've always liked to do a whole bunch of things. Um, And in medical school, I was, I don't, I mean, I'm a little bit of a busybody, but I was on about like five or six committees, right? So I'm trying to do school. I'm trying to do all these committees. I'm trying to hang out with my friends. And so I was very busy. Um, but I enjoyed it. I mean, that that's what gave me my energy. That's what helped me get through the day. I, you know, I went to school and I, you know, I knew I might be going to happy hour with my friends after I got done. So that gave me motivation to get all my work done so that I could go hang out with my friends. So that made sense for me. But a lot of people were like, what are you doing too much? Why are you doing all these things? You need to focus. But if I had done that, I wouldn't have been able to make it through. Right. And even when kind of going further in my, um, professional career you know I was I had a you know a regular job I worked for a hospital employee practice um, in a community-based hospital and it was great I, I really enjoyed that job I enjoyed my work family I enjoyed taking care of the patients in that community but I also knew I wanted to do something different and so I started traveling you know and that wasn't really <laughs> to that wasn't really the move there was like people were like mm, are you sure this is not going to hurt your you know long-term academic potential or your leadership aspirations and I was like it might I don't know but the next best step for me um, to do all the things that I want to do to be able um, to travel to explore other options outside of clinical medicine to do international work that was what allowed me to go to Kenya um, I had to practice medicine in a different way and so that made sense for me so I think there there's definitely a lane for um for that and I think you have to constantly reassess do your self-care days reassess what makes sense for you today and then act accordingly so just because that was the best decision you made 
2015 might not be the same best decision that you would make in 2022. And that's okay. Right. Thank you for that perspective. <laughs> so I'm going to take the mic back. Okay. <laughs> Um, but no, so as we close, I really appreciate this conversation. I think um, it's great to, to get perspective into where our students are. And I think it is important to know what your experiences are in training, because it's, that is how you are going to go and interact uh, with future students and become faculty and leadership and set the course to make it better for those who come um, behind you. So I really appreciate that I appreciate your vulnerability. Uh, that takes a lot and that's very important so that other people can see themselves in you um, and be encouraged and inspired to, to be them, their best self. So I really appreciate that as well. Um, so with that, before we close, close, tell people where to find you. What's your social media? What's your website? All of that. All right. So you can find me in um, everything about my podcast uh, on Instagram is at voice and black experiences, all lowercase, all together. Um, you can look on the website at voiceandblackexperiences.com and you can find all my social medias, all my tags, my LinkedIn, anything that you're looking for at voiceandblackexperiences.com. Perfect. And we'll put the links in the bio as well. So with that, thank you, ma'am. I appreciate your time. I look forward to following with you on your journey and, and seeing what's next. All right. Thank you.